Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio, North America's only show dedicated to equipment used to feed, clothe, and fuel the world. I am Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And as you know, we get together here every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern with the re-air Sunday at 6 p.m. Exclusively on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. And if you miss an episode the following week, it will be listed in its entirety as a podcast on most major podcast hosting sites, or you could just go to farmmachinerydigest.com and click on the tab that says FMD Radio, and you will find the shows there. So thank you for doing that. And while you're on the website, you could check out some other content that is available to you. And it's all about learning, because that's what we are about, learning over here on Cat Swamp Road. But I need to give a big old Cat Swamp Road shout out to a couple of people. But first, I need to give a shout out to the entire Panic family in Albion, New York. Jim Panic, he listens to this guy on Cat Swamp Road. He listens to me on Sirius XM. But I need to get a special shout out to his son, Phil, and Phil's wife, Caitlin, and their three children, Preston, who's got the same haircut I got. That's a good haircut, Preston. I like that. Hannah, and then baby Sadie. And and uh, Phil sent me a beautiful picture of him and his wife and the entire family in the cab with a tractor putting some corn seed in the ground. And that, that Albion, New York, is upstate New York in western New York. And the Panic family has quite an operation there. They send me some pictures of their equipment, beautiful equipment, beautiful farm, and they're running just about 11,000 acres, and that's a huge operation no matter where you are, but specifically for this Northeast. And I am looking forward to doing an on-the-road podcast with Phil and his family, his dad and then his brother, who I do not know his name, so I apologize, brother Paddock. All right, but I will meet you when I come up to your farm and we record that On the Road show. And if you don't know what the On the Road podcast is, I do a I do a show that is uh, featuring, I always say featuring, I have guests on that are passionate either about farming or firing orders. All right, so you either have to be passionate about agriculture or some aspect of machinery. But I'm also going to be doing another On the Road episode and this is going to be with a very special person because she's only going to be the second lady that has been uh, a standalone guest on that podcast, all right? And also, we're going to be recording in a dairy barn. And where is that dairy barn? On Shades of Death Road. So that is Miss Phyllis Samanchik, and she's only about six or seven miles from our farm, but she's got a very interesting story, and her family has a long history with agriculture and passion about dairy and about agriculture in general. So I'm looking forward to recording in a dairy barn. It'll be the first time I'm recording actually in a dairy barn, and I know it's going to be the first time ever and never be repeated on Shades of Death Road. So I'm looking forward to getting together with the Panic family up in New York State and then with Phyllis Samanchik over here in Warren County, New Jersey. 
And a couple of quick little things also that I want to touch base with you on is that when I changed the, I spoke about my my sprayer having a problem when I changed all the Schedule 80 piping and the uh, filter and the shutoff valve on, obviously that is on the suction side, the problem went away. So what I'm going to basically, I could not visually see anything on that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that, all those components off, put them together. I'm going to plug them. I'm going to do a smoke test on, I'm going to use my friend's smoke tester because I would tend to think that probably had a, a minute leak. That was probably someplace around the shutoff valve or what have you, maybe the steel in the shutoff valve. So that is important for you to understand because if you have a problem, let's say you have a vacuum planter, and I've been saying this for a long time in this show, a smoke tester, an inexpensive smoke test machine. I call it a machine. It's really not a machine. It makes a non-toxic and non-flammable smoke. And like they used to say with electricity, where it let the smoke out, where the smoke is coming out is where you will find the leak. And it is almost impossible to find the leak on a suction side of something without a piece of equipment like that. And then also, before we get into the content of today's show, which is going to be discussing the heat-affected zone when welding, right? When the metal turns color there, we're going to look at the metallurgy, the science behind it in a practical sense. But in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be getting a vehicle-to-road test, and it is a 700-horsepower Ford Raptor R. All right, I won't get that till the end of June, so I'm not going to use it to go down and pick up my fertility down in Maryland at Bill Hushin. Uh, place the mill his facility down there so we're gonna, just going to have to make do without putting any fertilizer in there but ford contacted me and they said you want to spend some time in a 700 horsepower raptor r and represent it to your audience on farm machinery digest radio so i said ah let me think about it i did not i said yes so it is being delivered to the farm on i believe june 23rd and i will have it for one week so if you have any questions you want to know about the raptor r before then just email me at hot rod farmer at farm machinery digest.com and just sit pat during this short break and then we come back we're going to talk about the heat affected zone Sirius XM's Netflix is a joke radio. The biggest names in comedy. With the best stand-up specials from Netflix's massive library. We see every race, ethnicity, nationality possible. We all came with the same roof that we laughed tonight. And shows you can't find anywhere else. I'm Tom Papa. I'm Fortune Feenster. Welcome to the big show. Netflix is a joke radio. <laughs> An exclusive channel you'll only find on Sirius XM. Channel 93. RFD-TV is the number one most trusted source for market information by America's farmers and ranchers. Cattle industry is bracing for fallout over an alleged ghost cattle marketing scheme. With long-term weather forecasts. We've had some big thunder showers develop just northeast of Nashville and then they've drifted into the east. And expert analysis of the commodities markets as soon as moves happen. Not necessarily getting us off on the right foot. Catch Market Day Report and the Rural Evening News weekdays only on RFD-TV and Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147. Be the cool uncle. I'm Scott Linden, out and about. Made possible by FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. You know, timing is everything, especially if you want to get home or back to camp before dark. Here's an old-timer's trick. Extend your arm and put your hand broadside vertical between the bottom of the sun and the horizon. Count the number of fingers between the sun and horizon and figure about 15 minutes 
of daylight for each finger. Now, everyone's fingers are different sizes, the arms are different lengths, so it might take a little fine-tuning, but most people will settle on about that 15 minutes per finger number. Just don't stare directly at the sun. A quick glance will do for this ancient method of measuring the waning minutes of a day afield. Get my new e-booklet on hunting public land at findbirdhuntingspots.com. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. We're going to start off this second segment in the Department of Corrections. I think during before the break I said, Bill Hushin, it's Ben Hushin, my friend Ben. That's bad when you get a friend of yours name messed up. But hey, it seems that's the that is common with me today. I don't know what's, uh, maybe I'm losing my marbles, right? But anyway, what we're going to talk about today is the heat-affected zone. And anybody who welds knows that as you're welding, and then after you get done welding, that there's going to be a discoloration of the metal around where the weld bead was. And that is actually called the heat-affected zone. And I'm going to discuss that because it's important for you to understand it. And if you are an experienced welder, then this is just going to be a review for you. And lots of times in life, a, a review is good, right? Because uh, you learned this stuff years ago and you, you, you recognize it, but you, you pushed it out of the back of your mind, right? So everything today, we're going to discuss the heat-affected zone and how, it, how the impact, that, and it's abbreviated H-A-Z, heat-affected zone, has on the integrity of the metal and the weld, right? So that is what we're going to discuss. Now, first of all, there are four distinct area, four distinct zones while you are welding. The first one is called the fusion zone, and that often is abbreviated FZ. The next area is called the weld interface, interface, like interfacing, interface zone. The third zone is called the heat affected zone, which is abbreviated HAZ. And then the last zone is called the unaffected base metal zone. So there's four distinct zones, fusion zone, weld interface zone, HAZ, heat affected zone, and the unaffected base metal zone. So let's just go through a quick review on what those areas are. So the FZ, which is called the fusion zone, that's it, that's the area where there is a mixture of molten metal and the filler metal. So at that particular point, the fusion zone, and you could think of fusion like glue, right? Because actually when you're welding, you're you're melting the metal and then you're adding other material, whether you're doing a stick welding, you're doing a uh, MIG welding, what have you, and you're adding other material. So the fusion zone is the area where there's a mixture, right, of the molten metal, so that is the metal that you're working on, and then also the filler metal. And then there is what is called the weld interface zone, as I said, and that's the mushy area. So, you know, when you're welding and you're pushing that puddle, right, there's an area where it's a little bit a little bit mushy, almost like when you're soldering, like when you're soldering a wire or soldering specifically a wire, 
or a pipe, you have that area where where it's not the solder isn't completely liquid. Well, when you're dealing with a weldment, all right, that that is called the weld interface zone, and it's the mushy area where there is partially melted metal. It's not fully melted. It's not fully. I'm going to say liquefied, if that's even the proper word to use. But it's partially melted metal, and then you have the heat affected zone, which is the which is the uh, focus of this episode today. And that is where the peak temperature occurs and actually melts the metal, the metal being the workpiece, the weldment that you're working on. So, all right, so, so those are those four zones. Now, we all know that when you are welding on a piece of metal, that you will have some discoloration, and that discoloration occurs from the heat affected zone and goes outward so just like the way i like to teach this or look at this look at this is that if you throw let's say you throw a a pebble you throw a rock into a a lake very still water where you have the point of impact and then you have these little shock waves these little waves and ripples come out from the point of impact where the stone or the rock hit the water all right well that is if you think of the heat affected zone it's the same thing so what will happen is that where you are actually doing the welding and melting the metal is going to be the hottest area and then the heat is going to dissipate out from that area now a good rule of thumb is that any place that you have discoloration is going to be the heat affected zone so that is going to be qualified as the heat affected zone where you see discoloration so if there's no discoloration there then that is more in what we said in a few or i said a few minutes ago the unaffected base metal zone that does not mean it's not hot that just means it did not get hot enough to affect the molecular structure and then we're going to we're working our way into that and it's very important for you to understand that so now this is a a basic uh specification we'll say it's going to depend upon the material the the metal that you're working with but this is a good rule of thumb and what it's called is a color tint chart well it's actually not a chart because you can't see it but it's uh, it's identifying the different colors now you know when i was a kid I had a uh, a motorcycle, a Honda CB350, and it was I wasn't old enough to to have a license, but I rode it. I drove it on the road anyway because I think the statute of limitations has expired. I used to sneak sneak off on the road when my parents weren't looking, right? And then I would come back with the motorcycle. And there was a Honda CB350. It was a street bike, not a dirt bike, so it meant that it had the low slung exhaust. So it had the, the two exhaust pipes and uh it didn't have because the cb350 that they had a uh, off-road type of dirt bike had the exhaust up higher so anyway but i bought this motorcycle from somebody my father knew it was a few years old four or five years old it had, i think it had 100 or 200 miles on if even that but i was always an engine guy always a machinery kid always everything loved all that stuff and i prided myself on having those carburetors on that Honda tuned up so well that I never turned the, the, the chrome pipes purple. I never discolored the chrome pipes coming out of the cylinder head on the exhaust. And if you have motorcycles and you look at motorcycles, you know that that chrome will turn like a rainbow color right out of the exhaust port. Well, the same thing, and how did I do that? Well, it was probably a combination of a couple of things. 
I, I uh, spent a lot of time tuning the carburetors and didn't know what I was doing, but fumbled my way through it. And then also I didn't run it that hard, but I don't, I ran it hard enough. Believe me, I got tickets and everything, but uh, whatever. So, but still to this day, that motorcycle still exists someplace here in town. It, it was, it was destined to never be driven, to be ridden much. And that uh, the last time I saw it about six or seven years ago, the pipe still didn't turn color coming out of the exhaust port. So, now what does that have to do with welding well just like if you were to look at the pipes on a motorcycle exhaust port uh exhaust pipe coming out of the head is you'll see those different colors with those different colors just like if you look at a crop in a field and you say okay well it's turning yellow it's turning this and that is identifying a nutrient deficiency but when you're welding the the color the color tint that the metal is changing or becoming at the heat affected zone is going to tell you the temperature at that point not pinpointed but within a reason within a within a, a group all right and as i said is that the the type of material and what have you is going to change it slightly but this is a very good rule of thumb so what we're going to do is we're going to start off with the coldest temperature and i'm going to work this up to the highest temperature and if you ever want this chart that you could look it up all right you could look up well temperature metal temperature heat affected zone what have you or you could uh, you could email me at hot rod farmer farm machinery digest.com and i could just write down the numbers and, and send them back to you but and you know this is for a point of reference for you to understand what's happening when you're welding because a lot of people are excellent, wonderful welders, but they really didn't, they don't remember uh, the basics that was taught to them when they were learning how to weld and didn't strike an arc, right? Okay, so here's our color tint identification. Light yellow, and that's around 554 degrees Fahrenheit. Straw yellow is around 644 degrees Fahrenheit yellow pure yellow is around 698 degrees fahrenheit brown is 734 degrees fahrenheit purplish brown is uh, 788 degrees fahrenheit dark purple is 842 degrees fahrenheit blue right use a blue flame wrench right a torch blue is 1004 degrees fahrenheit and dark blue is around 1102 degrees fahrenheit so what's basically happening from that heat affected zone what you're doing is you're going to have this i'm going to call it a rainbow shade of colors from the hottest point all right and then as the is going to be where you're actually striking the arc and melting the metal all right so that's the uh <clears throat> the 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 weld and the in the weld interference zone and the fusion zone and then uh, interference interface excuse me and then what happens is, is as you go away from that weldment area the temperature is going to drop but it's still going to be hot enough to be qualified in the heat affected zone so a basic rule of thumb if you're welding something let's say you're welding something on your planter and you get done welding and this may be hard to see because you have paint the way you have to grind off the paint but where the where the the metal is retained its its base temp its base color its natural color is more or less where the heat affected zone ended 
all right so prior to that you'll see it's going to change color and as, as it goes away from that on boats on all regions the color is going to change so the, the it's actually going to work backwards to this chart because it's going to be dark blue first and then work its way to light yellow now what happens with the heat affected zone is that there is a a rearranging of the molecular structure of the metal because when the metal gets that hot all right that it's it's its molecular structure is going to dissipate and it's going to change and it's going to move around and that is why the heat affected zone is so critical because the the density i'll use the word density all right of the metal is going to vary because its molecular structure changed whereas instead of having the molecules all even as it would be when the metal was made and formed it is going to be spread so like looking at a lake and seeing well different color ice well the same you're not looking at the piece of metal the weldment and seeing the molecular structure change but the molecular structure has changed and that is that is called thermal stress there's two types of stress in a metal that the potentially you could have in a metal is that you could have a mechanical stress so let's say you are running a, a sheet metal break and you're bending bending sheet metal to make a duct all right so the thing is that where you with a sheet metal is being bent that's what's called the mechanical stress and when you're welding on metal you're cutting metal you're drilling you're using a plasma cutter you're in you're creating this heat affected zone and the molecular structure of the metal in that heat affected zone is not its natural form the molecules are spread out and they're 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 not arranged properly and for that particular reason that heat affected zone becomes very weak becomes brittle all right and also has the ability to crack warp and distort and fracture so fracture or crack or break so you may be saying to yourself oh hot rod you don't know what you're talking about because i'm an excellent welder my welds never break all right and and that may very well be so but you are still in creating a heat affected zone and the whole idea is to minimize the range of the heat affected zone so if you're using too much temperature too much amperage what have you the the wrong the wrong welding material all right then you're going to have a larger heat affected zone and that larger heat affected zone is going to mean that the molecular structure in that colored area the color tint area is not going to be as strong as it would be before you touched it so the whole idea is when you're welding you want to have the smallest discoloration the smallest heat affected zone and you want to have more of the area be the unaffected base metal zone so we're going to just stop for a short break here and then we're going to finish up when we come back Bring rural America's most important network with you on RFD-TV now. Watch from anywhere, at home, on the farm, even while riding your tractor. Stream agricultural news and weather, commodity market reports, along with traditional country music and entertainment for less than $10 a month. Go to WatchRFDTV.com to subscribe to rural America's most important network. 
RFD TV now. Kinder Outdoors can be heard weekends on rural radio at 9 a.m. East Coast, 8 Central, and 6 out West. We unashamedly celebrate the precious heritage that our forefathers handed down to us. Hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting. We believe that these are God-given rights, and we give praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the blessing. I want to invite you to our camp this weekend at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, and learn more about us at kinderoutdoors.com. See you in the camp house this weekend on Rural Radio Channel 147. A ProBox has enough seed to plant 125 acres of corn. Now, if you wanted to put 40 pounds of nitrogen on those acres, you'd need 1,200 gallons of anhydrous or 1,700 gallons of UAN or 5 tons of urea. But what if that amount of nitrogen was already on your seed? Pivot Bio is now putting nitrogen on seed. The first company to ever apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. This week on Rural Radio, Channel 147. On Monday and Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the Colorama Pro Rodeo from Grand Coulee, Washington. On Wednesday, we head out to California for the Reading Rodeo Extreme Bulls and Extreme Barrels. That's 10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Your home for the Western way of life is found on Rural Radio Sirius XM. Tune in this week to Rural Radio, Channel 147, and listen anytime on the SXM app. All right, welcome back to the show. I just want to say one thing before I get into uh, the Meet Me in the Farm Shop with Tex Rubinowitz singing, is that contrary to, uh, I don't want to say popular belief, conventional wisdom is the proper way for me to say it, is that the thermal stress and the rearranging of the molecules does not happen when you're heating, when you're actually welding on the metal and have that high temperature. It's the uncontrolled cool-down rate. So you're saying, well, I don't quench my, my weldments. It makes no difference. When you're moving that you're moving that arc away, so you're running a bead, let's say, and uh, you start up on one area and you start, you start to pull the arc towards you as you're moving that arc away, that is qualified as a uncontrolled cool down rate because you have this extremely high temperature and then the temperature drops dramatically as you pull the arc away so even though that it's very very hot yet but that is when the thermal stress is induced and i'm just going to continue with this and i won't do a, a meet me in the farm shop today and a practical application of this let's say that you got uh your your you're towing a trailer with your pickup truck and you're coming down the hill and uh, you're riding the brakes and the brake rotors are getting very, very, very hot. All right, You don't see the temperature, but they're getting very, very hot and it's raining and then you hit a puddle of water and you go through a puddle of water and then what happens is that shortly thereafter you step on the brake and the, the, the truck has a shimmy because the brake rotor walked. Well, that is the same thing that is happening with a weldment. That's the uncontrolled cool-down rate. So it doesn't just happen with welding. It happens but welding is such a high temperature. Whenever you get a piece of metal very hot and then thermally shock it, that's the uncontrolled cool-down rate, you are going to rearrange the molecular structure, and that is going to induce what I said, what is called a thermal stress. And engines have thermal stress, and anything machined uh, that was machined, drilled, welded on has thermal stress in it. And that residual thermal stress over time has the ability to impact the life cycle of whatever that component is. 
all right? Mechanical stress, bending something, forming something, forging something is nowhere near as detrimental as thermal stress. But the most thermal stress is induced on the farm from the heat affected zone. And I'm repeating, it's the uncontrolled cool down rate. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, my beloved, beloved America. Keep planting and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. From Kansas to Ohio, that's where you'll find Pivot Bio. From the Mississippi Delta and the Chesapeake, Nebraska and the hills of Tennessee. Proving on thousands of fields across this great land. When you work the ground till the sun goes down, Pivot Bio's got a plan. Greener plants and a healthy land use our predictable nitrogen. Wherever farmers grow, yeah, that's where we go. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Hi, I'm Charlsey McKay. Join us every weekend for FFA Today. We feature FFA members from across the country as they learn and prepare for careers in agriculture science, business, and technology. Rural Radio is showing off the passion of this next generation. So tune in to FFA Today, Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and Sundays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Each weekend, we work to bring you the latest news and market information, as well as compelling stories that capture the heart of rural America. Tune in Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 7 a.m. Eastern here on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Hi, this is Jimmy Stirro of the Saturday Night Polka Party. Thanks for listening to Rural Radio Sirius XM Channel 147.